I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. I was looking after everybody else, but I wasn't looking after me. Former rugby league player Luke Ambler set up Andy's Man Club back in 2016 after his brother-in-law took his own life at the age of just 23 that same year. The support group started as a weekly event for a handful of men in Halifax, but it's now expanded to 25 locations, two more opening very soon, I'm reliably told, with more than 750 people attending each and every week. On the back of Andy's Man Club, I used to go in companies and organisations like this and deliver Andy's Man Club talks. And I always thought, do you know, if I ever did something else, I'd absolutely love to go and do talks and make a difference in the community. I was going back to my car, which was parked near the marina at the time. So I had to cross the road and there was a set of traffic lights. And like I said, I had suicidal thoughts every single day and I was just worn out, mentally just worn out. And there was a lorry coming towards me and Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today I'm joined by JV and Rob. I'm also joined by a guy who has quite literally saved people's lives. So he's the founder of Think Mental Health. He's also the project development champion for Andy's Man Club. So I've set myself the target of 200 subscribers by Christmas. We're currently about 115. So please, 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 whatever you can do to help us get to that target, we really would be grateful. So please like, subscribe, share, anything you can do to help us. With all that said, welcome to tomorrow's workplace today. So, welcome to the podcast, Paul Longley. Thank you. Thanks just for give us, uh, No problem at all. Do you want to just give us a bit of introduction, who you are, what you do? Yeah, so my name's Paul Longley. I own a company called Think Mental Health, where we're going to companies and organisations and help with training and support. But also, as well, I'm um, project development um, champion for Andy's Man Club in the local area, where I'll, I started off with one club in Hull. Now we've got seven, including Goul and Beverly. And I'm also um, project development champion for all of the East Coast up to Scotland now. Wow. Which is a privilege and an honour to do. Brilliant. Wow. So it'd be good to dive into both of those but let's start with because you've got it on your shirt let's start with think mental health um so understand a bit more about what yeah so so think mental health started about 16 months ago um i suffered poor mental ill health and i do i still um from an early age and it came to a head about nine years ago where i was gonna take my own life um thankfully thankfully i never and I was a production manager for 32 years at a fish processing company. And on the back of Andy's Man Club, I used to go in companies and organisations like this and deliver Andy's Man Club talks. And I always thought, do you know, if I ever did something else, I'd absolutely love to go and do talks and make a difference in the community. So it's one of them things where you say you're going to do it, you'd love to do it, but it was a massive comfort blanket, 32 years. Hmm. But in September 2019, I got made redundant. No problem of our own. And um, we lost our biggest customer, which is probably our only customer, yeah. um, to price. So our division um, shut. So I thought, right, I've got 18 years of my working life to go. What am I going to do? Um, I had people ringing me up in the similar industry saying, come and work for us, Paul, because I had 32 years um, experience in that industry. But... I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. I wanted to make a difference every single day. So I went to college and trained up to be a mental health first aid tutor. Um, I thought that's it, job done. Mm. But I didn't realise you need a teaching qualification to actually go out and deliver it. Now I left school with no qualifications whatsoever because my first job when I left school, I was a fisherman on the trawlers. And my last year of my school life I spent in the North Sea because that's what I was going to do when mm. I left school was quite happy for me to do that so to get a teaching qualification I was it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life so much so I was working studying 10 hours one boxing day and I just thought I can't do it anymore so I rang a good friend up a man who you know and I said I can't do this anymore he said well you've got two options you have a go and get a job because people are ringing you up or you follow your passion, follow your dreams and smash it. So anyway, I passed and it was, like I say, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And then we came out of that 
I set up Think Mental Health and the pandemic hit. Um, so nobody wanted anybody to go in for training into their business. So I went and uh, worked for Jackson's Bakery for a while, um, production planner there. Absolutely loved it. Um, working four days on, four days off. And the four days off, I was working on Think Mental Health. And we got a fantastic contract during the pandemic where we quadrupled the mental health first aiders around the globe with Smith and Nephews in 13 different countries, which was absolutely massive for, yeah. for my first big contract. And so it got to August of last year where I'm practicing mental health and promoting mental health and well-being and I didn't know when I was going to get any sleep next because I was working four days on and my four days off I was quite busy. Mm. So I t so me and Jackson's were, um, were parted ways. I absolutely loved it then. I was thankful for the opportunity they gave me but it was the best thing I'd done because I went out and met people like yourselves, networking, meeting new businesses and we're working probably with the top out of 20 top 10 companies within the city, I'm probably working with 10. Brilliant. Um, it's a good start, isn't for, it? For 14 wow. months, yeah. We're currently, we're currently working with the likes of Ricketts, Willoughby, Swift, Atlas, um, Smith & Nephew, as like I've said, uh, Premier Modular, quite a few companies that are probably mill-dominated industries and environments, but um, the feedback we're getting from, we, we don't just deliver mental health first aid training, we actually go in and support the business so we'll we'll spend a full day within the business and actually help and support any employee that I always say are not feeling the best at that particular time. So from nine years ago, where I didn't want to talk to my family, friends, work colleagues, I'm actually speaking to um, strangers every single day. <laughs> and I always say with Andy's Man Club, Think Mental Health, um, I'll never work a day in my life again because I absolutely love what I do. Mm, so yeah. So when businesses are getting you in, what's the, what's the conversation? What are they saying to you? Why why are they? Seems like an obvious question, but why why are they getting um, you in? I'm I'm talking to quite a few companies within the city at the minute, and some of their biggest absenteeism is mental health at the moment. And we know with the financial crisis around at the minute, people fe feeling the squeeze, and we're just we're just going in and speaking to employees, and if we can help them, if if it's we all know that if something's bothering somebody external work, they'll bring it into work. Mm. And if something's bothering them internal work, they'll take it home. Mm. And what I always think, especially with the companies and organizations, I use my production background of 32 years and my knowledge in mental health to actually bring that together. And I really, really emphasize culture of a business. Um, if you've got people who's got empathy, you've got an open door policy, you can actually get your employees to speak. And as a leader, I used to I used to think I had to be I had to lead everybody and be strong. But I actually when I came out with that I was suffering mentally, um, I was quite open with all my staff. So I was the production manager of the business. I was open and that opened a new people was knocking at my door, not because I was poor long as a production manager. But it was Paul Longley from Andy's Man Club that knew what was said in that room, stayed in that room unless there was a safeguarding issue. And I used to just go around and we'd probably be speak to, speaking to employees that I would say wasn't feeling the best at that particular time. We'd help them. Um, they got confident in speaking to me. The new confidentiality was key. And I'd just be walking around the factory and just giving people just the eye. And we we had I always tell companies we got, we we ended up getting a code word, so it was like I'd walk around the factory and ask them if they was okay, and they'd ask me if I was okay. And when they asked me, I used to go, "I'm marvelous." Um, and when I looked at them, maybe the next day they'd go, "Marvelous," or they'd say, "Can I have a word with you later on?" But I'd be talking to about a dozen people at any one time, and even when they was coming on and they was clocking on at the clocking machine, we just we didn't have to say anything. And they'd go marvelous, mm. and they'd ask me how I was. So as a leader, I showed a bit of vulnerability, but I got a really tight, tight uh, relationship with my team, mm. and it, it was the best thing that I'd ever done. That, and I try and promote that. That that takes a hell of a lot of guts to to do that because up until the last few years, it has been a real sort of stigmatized sort of 
subject topic, mm. isn't it? So, I mean, hats off to you for, for that. What? Obviously, you were in a dark place, but what prompted you to just go? Do you know what? I, I'm going to share my my kind of. I, th I think it was. Feelings. I got I got to a point where. Hi guys, I just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation which we often get involved in, which is the processing of supplier invoices or accounts payable automation, as it's also known. Most businesses have invoices that they get sent from their suppliers. Essentially, what our solutions do is they read those invoices, they extract key information from them, like purchase order numbers, supplier codes, or supplier names. We then use that information and match that up against digital records. So can we find a purchase order number? Can we find a good receive note for that product? If we can, then we can match it up, we can reconcile it, and we can automatically post that into your finance system. What makes us different is that we configure our solutions to be specific to your organization. So we're not an out the box, plug it in and see what you get. We actually understand more about your processes, your organization, your supplier base, and we configure the solution to meet those requirements. Hopefully that's enough to pique your interest. If it is, get in touch. Let's have a chat. As a, as a youngster, I was a I was a boxer. I was a rugby player. I got selected for England at boxing, and I don't look like a boxer now, but I was. I'm 53 now. So, <laughs> as a youngster, I was I I always thought I was big and tough. I it was my job to look after me. When my dad was a fisherman and he was away, it was my job to look after my brothers. I'm the eldest. It was my job to look after my brothers. My job to look after my mum. Then when I got married, it was my job to look after my wife. My job to look after my children, because th that's what we do as a yeah. I, as a male. Um, what we used to think like. And then I got to my production. It was my job to look after my staff. So I was looking after everybody else, but I wasn't looking after me. And then, like I say, it took me to um, about seven or eight years ago. Um, you, I don't know whether you've been to these white collar boxing events. Mm, yeah. Um, well, as a boxer, as a youngster, so I, I at forty five, this was the first stupid thing I did. <laughs> I went to these, I went to the um, white collar boxing event, and I was thinking, right, I can do better than that. I can still do that. And at forty five, I should know better. So anyway, I signed up to do one. So that was the first mistake. Um, second mistake was I boxed a kid who was fifteen years younger than me and about three foot bigger, taller than me. So that was me. Anyway, no surprise, I came second. Um, but, but it was it was training for that boxing event that I had. I was depressed every day. I had suicidal thoughts every single day. And training for that event, I was training at a boxing club called Hull Boys, which is where the Bonus Arena is now. Yeah. Uh, they've knocked it down. And after that boxing event I was going back to my car which was parked near the marina at the time so I had to cross the road and there was a set of traffic lights and like I said I had suicidal thoughts every single day and I was just worn out mentally just worn out and there was a lorry coming towards me and I thought right this is my chance I can put it all to bed I don't have to think like this anymore um, luckily my brother was stood next to me and, and in a split second I realised I couldn't leave him with the vision of me taking life. And that's when I really knew that I needed to open up and I needed to speak to people. And it was a few days later, I was at a, a barbecue. I played rugby and there was, there was quite a few rugby guys there with the partners. And I, I might have been that I had a, a few beers and a bit of Dutch courage. And I opened up in front of everybody. I broke down and said, look, I need some help. The help I got was absolutely fantastic. And like I say, a good mate of mine, he was doing a bit of self-development himself and he helped me. And I haven't looked back really. Um, it was, it was, it's been a lot of hard work, but like we think mental health now, I go out and I deliver training a little bit different. Excuse me, I, I, tr I do train a little bit different because I touch on my own experience and as I'm teaching, I say to people, look, I suffered like this, I suffered like It's an open forum. They can always put their hand up and join in the conversation. And I always start my courses by telling my story and it, the vulnerability. And then during that, I might be with them six hours. I might be with them two days. I might be with them four hours or whatever. We create a bond in that room and they tell me, I say, look, tell me as much or as little as you want. It's entirely mm. up to you. And I found that nobody escapes mental health or mental ill health because it's, it either affects you or somebody knows somebody regarding poor mental health because some people think they're the only ones. 
but one in four people suffer some form of mental ill health in any given year. Now, I always say to a business, I don't know how many you employ, mm. employ, but if you can divide that, there's so many yeah. people within this business. It's more than you think. It's it's more, more than, than you, you think, and some people just think that they're on their own. And it went from there, me opening up at the barbecue, there was four other guys that was feeling similar to me, but we all went out drinking, talking about football, rugby, work, you know, just general topics. But we never, ever talked about our feelings and our emotions. So now I go I go around businesses, organisations, trying to create conversation as to be the norm. Because I, I always say, because I don't want anybody ever to feel like I did that day at them traffic lights. Mm. And that's what spares me on each and every single day. There's nothing more powerful when you're training than having the real story to tell. Yes. It gives you so much credibility amongst the people you're speaking to. And, and I think training is storytelling, and mm. I've got a story to tell. Mm. Um, and like I've done um, with the businesses that we've worked with in the last 14 to 18 months, um, some of well, all of them have been absolutely fantastic. And there's been a couple of them... I'd, I've just designed a new course called um, the Think Mental Health Land Managers Masterclass to Mental Health because I knew that a lot of companies haven't got a lot of time and the land managers and team leaders want to help and assist their team but one, they're frightened to say the wrong thing. Mm. Secondly, um, they don't know how to start that conversation so I, I always say, I, I designed this course, it's only 90 minutes long and I've picked the, some best bits out of the different courses that I do. And we talk about culture and we talk about um, expectation and stuff like that of employees. But it, it's mainly down to, um, I want team leaders and managers and people in authority to have the conversation to actually start the conversation with the team. And, or if an employee approaches them, they're not frightened to have that conversation because they're not frightened to say the wrong thing because a lot of people are frightened to say the wrong thing so they don't say anything mm. at all. Mm. So that's what that's what we've designed that for and that's been really successful. And I, I just want to go and help people every single day, whether that's Think Mental Health or Andy's Man Club. When you talk about culture, what, what are the elements of culture that businesses should be trying to create? I think, I think sometimes, I think the culture that... Um, is, is where people are afraid to open up and talk about the feelings and their emotions. And there's three main stigmas why people don't talk, really, and it's burden, weakness, and embarrassment. So they don't want to be a burden um, to the work colleagues because they believe that their work colleagues have got problems of their own. Mm -hmm. But, Steve, if I open up to you about my problems, you're going to listen to me, but then you might think, then you might share yours with me. Mm. So you're not a burden at all. You're actually sharing. And it might be embarrassing at the start, but it, like I always say when I deliver the courses, we create a culture within that six hours. So I always say we've created this culture in six hours where you'll open up about your feelings and your emotions and if you're not feeling your best. So what can you do when you go back to your company within the next six months mm. if we can create this in six hours mm. and that's why I always want them to go back and we'll come up with action plans so it's not just action plans for the company it's action plans for the employee because we can help ourselves as well just doing some basic things because um, so, some people oh what's my company going to do for me what's my company going to do but we can do stuff ourselves and we can actually work together mm. and going away and actually not just leaving people with a qualification but actually leaving them talking it's actually humbling, and I, like I say, I just love it. Mm. On that point there about what can the company do for me, to what extent do you fa do you come across <clears throat> employers or leaders within a business that are um, blasé about mental health, or may even be go as far as saying it's a load of nonsense or whatever they might say? Yeah, I still come across that. Yeah, I, I, I still come up with that old um, mentality um, but I challenge it back um, I always say to somebody and I, I, I get it out in my course I say challenge me if you want I said I'm, I'm all for if people don't agree with me let's have that let's have that conversation but I went into a company um, a few a few months back and the meeting started really well uh, tea or coffee Paul blah 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 
Um, let's face it, mental health's a new bad back, right? And I thought, right, this ain't going to go. This is going to be a challenge. Yeah, this is going to be a challenge. So how I flipped it back was, I've worked in production for 32 years. I was in charge of over 100, 100 employees, right? Stressful. And stressful. But what I, what I said to them back was, I said, I knew the employees that really didn't want to come to work who would make up anything not to come to work. Mm. I, and I knew some of them, in the industry that I was in, some of them used to play snooker on the Wednesday night so there was late on the Thursday or didn't come in on the Thursday. There was a trend. You saw a trend. There was a pattern. And I said, I knew that staff, right? And I said, the staff who probably came up with the, I've got a bad back, mm. right? Maybe might have been hiding something more severe like mental health at the time. But it was 2% of the workforce, right? So I said, you're concentrating on the 2% that mm. will try anything not to get wet. I said, what about the other 98% or what about the other one in four, which might be 50 people that are suffering in silence and not doing anything and can't communicate? So I said, instead of worrying about the 2% of your workforce, worry about the rest. Mm. And that's how I get back in. And I always say, um, another one, I'm 53, right? So I usually I get I get challenged at family parties or I get challenged in in places. Um, people my age and a little bit older, not all of them, but some of them, and they know what I do for a living, they know what I do in me, volunteer work for Andy's Man Club, right? Um, they used to get me and go, Paul, this mental health stuff, it's a load of rubbish in my day, this, that and the other, mm. right? So... And this might be a little bit powerful, but we had one of the biggest mental health hospitals built in Cottingham with Delapore when I was a young young lad, so I'm 53. Mm. And it, so it's probably been there 40 odd years. That wasn't built for nothing. That wasn't built because nobody went there. there was, it was built for a reason because there was poor mental health then. I remember as a child, um, people used to say, if you don't behave, you'll get put in a straight jacket, you'll get put in a padded cell, you'll get sent to the loony bin. All that toxic language that we're trying to break through the stigmas now. And I know um, the street where I lived on Hesel Road, there was three people who sadly took their own lives by gassing themselves in the oven and one hung himself, right? So I said, don't tell me that there wasn't any mental health then. There was. People just dare talk about it. And it's only the last couple, three, four, five years that we've started to and we've started to openly. Um, so it's still, there's still stigmas out there, but we are winning and we are. And like I said, I've probably spoke to 120 companies and I've probably had two negative experiences. So it's few and far between and I, and I like to forget about those conversations as such, but they do drive me on. Another one, um, and I always use these as examples because if I go, if I'm in front of a difficult audience, should I say? Mm. Um, I, I was in a I was in a company about six months ago, and I went to deliver a talk, and I'm walking up these steps, and behind me I heard, "We should be working. We shouldn't have had to stop work because this mental health stuff." And then they used some expletives afterwards. I thought, "This isn't going to be an easy audience." <laughs> I was already nervous, and I thought, "Well, this isn't going to be an easy audience." Anyway, I delivered the talk. I said, "Look, um, for those who got dragged here." Um, hopefully in the next 45 minutes, I'll change your mind. Mm. And we finished. I packed all my stuff up. This one guy came up to me and said, can I help you with your pop-up banners, please? So I said, yeah, no problem. So we're going down these ladders. As I got to the boot of my car, this guy said, I re really thank you for that. I've needed it for ages. Blah, blah, blah. And guess which guy it was? One behind. Mm. The one behind. Yeah. So it was in front of his mates. It was a bit of his mask. So any any time, sometimes I go into an audience and you might get a negative comment, I use that to spare me on because I think you're the one that needs it. Mm. You're the one that needs it. So, yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic the last 14 to 16 months and long, long may it continue. We're building fantastic relationships with companies within the city and um, cultivating in uh, last month we had a Think Mental Health um, Black Tar Ball at Mercure, over 450 People attended and we raised over £12,000 for Andy's Man Club wow, in, the, in, in the process, yeah, and it was 
we we had a few awards for the companies that I've worked with um, in the city. What have gone over and above, you know, to help their employees, mm -hmm. and it was just celebrating. I think it was celebrating like the last twelve months of what I've done and people I've worked with and other companies. Um, we I think we had about fifty companies selling forty one tables within within that, and we had to turn companies away. So hopefully, twenty twenty three we're going to be bigger and better yeah. and raise more money for charity and it's it's absolutely fantastic yeah just just going back to um the the company that you went into where it was like come on, boy it's just you know it's, it's just the new bad back was that an employee or was that someone of seniority because if it's someone of seniority i'm intrigued as to who got you in in the first place if if the kind of theme was actually it's just the new bad back. um i got it was a it was a member it was a seniority Right. Someone's very senior. Right. Very senior, like director right. level yeah. senior. Um, and then they go about, my parting shot, I went I went to another company and I went to talk about Andy's Man Club. And always do, if I get a gap in my calendar, I'll go and bang about Andy's Man Club as much as I can. And I went into one company and a guy, I'm talking, how can Andy's Man Club come into our business and help? Andy's Man Club can't really come into your business and do anything. We're a charity. You can signpost your staff to come and visit us on a Monday night, but we can't come into your business and fix your problems. But we'll come in and promote what we do so your your guys can come and access our facility. So I'm talking to him about the benefits of... Um, and he put his hand in my face and he just went, um, I'm not bothered about what my staff do out of work. I'm just bothered about within. So I thought, right, this ain't going to go well again. Um, <laughs> I carried on speaking and he put his hand in my face again. I went, I've told you and I'm not bothered about what goes on out of work. So I thought, right, I need to find a way to get out of here. Um, so I, I said, look, I've, I've got another beating. I've been here 45 minutes. And his parting shot to me was, oh, we've got a massive mental health issue with my business and my turnover as staff is colossal. Um what do you think's the issue? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is my issue? And I just looked at him and I just went, I couldn't tell you at the minute. I really, really wanted to say, well, he sat, sat in front of me. Um, and I, I couldn't. I was, obviously, I'm too polite to, mm. to actually, but I really wanted to. Um, because it, it's got to start from the top. It, the culture's got to start from the top. And then from the bottom, it's got to go up. Because then you've got to meet in the middle. You've got to have buy-in from the management. You've got to have buy-in from the from the workforce to make it happen. And that's how you that's how you create a culture. And that's how I always say um, the new currency is happiness. I know people are I know people are struggling at minute financially, but if somebody um, if somebody comes to you and we can help them and they feel appreciated and they feel supportive. If a competitor of yours comes to you and or comes to one of your employees and say, "Look, we want to work, we want to employ you to come to work for our business," and they're offering a little bit more money, but they feel happy, they feel appreciated where they are, they're not going to go. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go. Uh, we had it years ago where we used to say to people, "Look, if you don't like our work, you can go and work for them in the same industry," because they just treat people very bad. And even when you start to treat people better your name sticks mm -hmm. and it and it sticks so actually creating a new culture and helping people and making sure staff appreciate it's crucial and it's vital and yeah. that's what we try and do with businesses guys i'm back i just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation that we get involved in which is called rpa also known as robotic process automation basically what that does is it replicates human behavior so we use software bots to replicate human behavior. So anywhere where you've got people or teams of people going onto different systems, copying, pasting data, going onto web applications or portals, downloading information, uploading information, any of that stuff tends to be rule-based. Go here, do this, do that. And instead of using your people to do that, actually you can use a bot to do that. So we can train, configure a bot to do exactly that process. It's a massive growth area, really exciting technology. Gartner talk about it as being the fastest growing enterprise technology in the market. Hopefully that's enough to have piqued your interest. If it is, get in touch, let's have a chat, see if we can help. You said people can help themselves and it starts top down, but also bottom up. So what, any tips for people listening, watching, 
that are struggling with mental health in terms of what they can do to help themselves. Yeah, like I've I've lost about four stone, but I've got another four stone to lose. But I was talking off air about I just like to get out in the open and go for my early morning walks. I post them on LinkedIn. Mm. And the reason I post them on LinkedIn is that I always say if I can help one person each and every day, then it's job done. Yeah. And I've had people message me on LinkedIn saying you've inspired me to get out and just go for a walk. You don't have to be going to the gym. Um, I do go to the gym some mornings, but I do like getting out in the open, connecting with people. Um, we all know the five ways to connect and five ways of well-being. Um, learn something new. But I just think getting out in the open, getting the fresh air, even in this weather, you can get wrapped up. And we, we do it. I met I met a lovely guy on Monday morning with, with advertisers, I think mental health, Monday morning walk at six o'clock. Anybody can attend. And it's just like we can network, we can make new friends, we can make... Um, some people might not have a friend in the world. Mm. We'll turn up on a Monday morning, you'll make some new... And that just walking and talking, I find it it's absolutely fantastic and learn something new. I, I did a course and there was a guy, he'd got really gone through some traumatic stuff and I said, what you learned in the last six months? Or what do you want to learn in the next six months? He learned how to play the didgeridoo. <laughs> and he was really going on. And I went, right, because it was a two-day course. I went, can you bring your didgeridoo in tomorrow? Because he said he'd done backing tracks for it and everything. So he said, yeah. So anyway, as the day went on, I saw this guy going pale. And I thought, it's a mental health course and I'm causing this guy stress. I went, look, if you don't want to bring it in tomorrow, you don't have to bring it in. So he went, no, no, I'll bring it in. Anyway, the next day... Um, we're, we're talking heavily about um, depression, anxiety, and was we just finished talking about um, suicide, and obviously it's a very deep and heavy conversation. So I thought this room needs picking up a little bit now. So I said, "We go and get your didgeridoo." So anyway, I went and got it back in track. He was absolutely fantastic, and that got him out of a dark place because he'd lost a really close relative, and but. I would never pay £500 for a piece of wood. <laughs> never. <laughs> and I told him this. And we just started laughing. It, it was just great. And it was just one of them courses where it broke the ice. Mm. Everybody had a laugh. But he'd use that. So I always say to anybody, if you want to learn something or want to do something, just write yourself some challenges, some goals. Um, a good friend of mine, I, I did it. Um, we put a piece of paper into three columns. Um, what do you want to experience in life? So you might write eight or nine things down. What do you have to do to experience those things? So I had, I wanted to change career, so I had to go to college, mm. did it. Um, and then what are you going to give back? Well, I give back Andy's Man Club. Uh, I give my um, time to charity. So it's just something similar. I always I did the three peaks this year. I did the pull for Brain 10K. So I'm pushing myself all mm. the time, but it's just something that I need to have a goal. I need to visualise something. And yeah. Love it. Talk, talk to me about Andy's Man Club then. So, Andy's Man Club started in Halifax in 2016. Um, a young guy called Andrew Roberts, only 23, sadly took his own life. Um, no history of mental ill health at all. Is He'd had a massive argument with his ex-partner and she stopped him seeing the young girl. I think that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. He went out and sadly took his own life. So his mother, Elaine Roberts, and his brother-in-law, Luke Ambler, wanted to set up a club for men where they could, where they could go and speak to other like-minded men because they believe if Andrew had somewhere to talk, he's, he probably wouldn't have gone out and taken his own life. Mm. So there was to and fro about the name and they came up with Andy's Man Club and they set it up in Halifax, like I said, in 2016. Nine guys attended that first club. And it was absolutely fantastic because them guys didn't know what they was going getting themselves into. They didn't know what the format would be, which a lot of people are a bit more aware about Andy's Man Club now. But them nine guys was like absolutely fantastic. So we've gone from nine guys in 2016. This Monday we had 2,300 guys walk through the door of our 112 clubs. Luke's vision was he wanted 10 clubs in five years. We actually got 50. Wow. And in six and a half years, so in the, in the next a year and a half, we've opened 63 clubs in the UK and it's going up every week. So I'm saying 113, it might be 114. Now they're op mm. they're opening it, but we want it to get to, um, so there's no man no more than 30 minutes away from an Andy's Man Club. 
Yeah. Um, so we need about 1,500 in the UK. So we're at 113 at the minute. But um, it's... So then we started in Hull about six years ago. It was probably... About, no, about five and a half years ago. Was, we were probably a year after the original. A friend of mine wanted to go and give it some RT support for free because he wanted to give eight hours a month to charity. Um, they didn't want RT support. They wanted somebody to open a club in Hull. So we opened our first club in Hull at Airco Refrigeration mm -hmm. on Galton Street. Um, there were six of us originally, um, me, and Leon asked me if I would help him open Andy's Man Club because he knew that if I helped him open Andy's Man Club in Hull, me helping other people would help me as well because I was... And first and foremost, I go to Andy's Man Club for myself. Mm. I, I talk about my feelings and emotions every Monday night. So we started, um, so Leon moved up to trustee level and I run Andy's Man Club in Hull. I've took us from one club to seven wow. and from six guys to 140 guys each and every Monday night. So we've got clubs at Airco Refrigeration, Hull Kingston Rovers ground at Craven Park, Sirius West, which is um, the gymnasium at Sirius, mm. um, Humber Wellbeing Hub on the Humber Bridge Car Park, and Hull University, we've just opened there. And then we've got Ghoul and we've got Beverly now. And um, we're opening clubs in and around the area all the, all the time. So I've, I give my calendar up every Monday for Andy's Man Club. So I'm the project development champion now for Andy's Man Club. So on a Monday, I'll go and deliver some talks uh, for Andy's Man Club. I'll go and make sure the uh, clubs are okay. Um, it was funny, I went to... Andy's Man Club to have a meeting with him in Halifax about becoming a project development champion and I, I was originally setting off to say look I ain't got time to do it with my business think mental health I haven't got I ain't got enough time to do this so I'm driving to Halifax with looking after five clubs in Hull and mm -hmm. um, thinking I, I can't do this but I'm so passionate about the charity so I went, had a meeting, I came out with 20 clubs. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, the meeting went really, really well. Um, so I look after, I don't, I look after from Hull right up to Scotland, right up to Hartlepool, Sunderland, um, Bridlington and Scarborough, Goal and Beverly and Hull and everything. Um, but there's a new project development champion coming on board, so he's going to take more and I'm just going to look after the seven in and around the Hull area. But it's been... Because I was passionate and I knew the great work we'd done in Hull, I didn't want to hand it on to anybody else because it's like my little baby now and I, yeah. I get on great. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make Hull and Beverly and that so successful without the work of the great facilitators that we've got in the clubs. Um, I'm just I'm just the face of Hull where I'll go and speak to companies, I'll, I'll go on the radio, but actually the main guys are the ones that open them clubs each and every Monday night. It's not Paul Longley, it's them, because without them, we wouldn't have the doors to open and there wouldn't be sure. a need for myself. So they're, they're the actual guys that are the troopers, not me. And what does a, a Monday evening session look like? So um, so we asked five questions. We asked, a, we, we asked an introduction and five questions. Mm -hmm. So the introduction is, um, you name and one positive reason why you're here. Now, for guys who are coming for the first week, they might say, I haven't got positive. But they have. Actually walking through that door is a massive positive because it's, mm. it's their first step on their journey to recovery. So then it'll be, question one, how's your week been? So guys will tell you how the week's gone. Um, highlight of your week. So you might have several highlights, but just give us your really big mm. highlight of your week. And then we'll go off um, and talk about that with each guy. So we might have 15 guys in a room. So they'll all talk about their experiences. And then um, question three is anything to get off your chest. Now this can be positive or negative. So this can be where last night I was going to take my life. Um, as a child, um, I was abused. You know, getting you can have all the darkest, deepest. Yeah. But you might not get them at re week one. It might be week four, week five, week six, when they actually feel really comfortable about that environment because we'll work on chat mouse rules, whatever's said in there stays there. But it might take them a few weeks before they're really comfortable in that environment. Then you get, bang, this is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth question might be, where's your go-to place that makes you feel really, really happy? And then question, 
the first three questions stay the same every single week. But the fourth and fifth question, the fifth question might be, um, what's one positive thing you're going to do for yourself or somebody else between now and next week? So all the questions are based on, and like the last two, of hope. Mm. So it gives them hope for the next week. And a lot of guys, if you, a lot of people, when they take their own lives, it might not be just one event. Mm. It'll be a load of different layers of different stuff. And then it might be that least little thing that pushes them over the edge. Well, at Andy's Man Club, getting stuff off your chest and talking about your feelings and your emotion gets chips away at them layers. So we're trying to get you at the bottom of the cliff before you get to the top. And that's what we do. And we don't fix anybody's problems. Um, we don't give counselling. We don't give advice. Guys will just talk about their feelings and emotions and how they've recovered. And one guy will come in. We had one guy in last Monday and he went, I don't want to talk. I just want to listen to see how, what everything's about. No problem. Mm. I knew once he started hearing other guys, he'll think, they're similar to me. That's my, similar to me. And he, he answered every question. Mm. Every single question. And it's just amazing to watch. Like I say, we don't do anything. They'll listen to different guys and they'll think, right, is I'll take that off him because that might work for me. I'll take that off him. That might work for me. And they sort their own problems out themselves mm. just by listening. And we don't have no mobile phones. We don't talk about medication. We don't talk about religion. And we don't talk about politics because they can go off mm. on one and... What might be what right for one person might not be right for the other. Because at the beginning, years ago, we had one guy saying, look, I've taken myself off my medication. I feel brilliant. The next week, one other guy took mm. himself and he ended up in hospital. So it's just our non-negotiables, what we don't talk yeah. about, because <clears throat> they can go everywhere. But, yeah, guys help themselves just by listening in a room and talking. And it where, where else do you get two hours where you sit with no mobile phones? No, you just talk and listen to other people and take things in and help each other so obviously it was andy's man club was created because of a, a young lad sadly yeah. <clears throat> didn't think you know he could carry on um with the clubs going around so I, i'll be honest i hadn't heard of i didn't know what andy's man club did and it was only on facebook i saw an old school friend um was always posting about andy's man club down south because obviously I've got a, a strong hard accent yeah. um, and uh, and I was like oh I wonder, I wonder what that is so I, thank you I, I, I now you know, properly understand I suppose the, the, the question was around um, the sort of demographic the age demographic within the clubs because I'm 48 and it's always been a bit of a taboo yeah. subject with with for me yeah but you know what's the typical sort of demographic in in the clubs 18 to 90 the biggest killer of man is man under 50 right so you've got all your illnesses you've got your road accidents you've got everything but the biggest killer of man is man himself um, and our de demographic is very wide range Are also um, people coming in we have company owners of multi-million pound companies mm. and we have we have people unemployed and what really cemented it for me I went to Grimsby and helped the Grimsby club out um, six months ago and we're in we're in the group talking about anything we've got and there was a company owner um, and he was worried about his staff the next day as he got enough blah 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 and he's getting stressed out about everything another guy had come in and said I've just lost my job I don't know whether I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage next month at the end I was clearing up and putting chairs away I just turned round and the business owner was giving the other guy his address uh, and his telephone number and he was picking him up the next morning to take him Brilliant. and I just thought wow mm. that is the power of mm. Andy's Man Club just there they didn't know I'd seen it I just put in the chairs away and looked over and he went I'll pick you up in the morning don't worry about everything I'll make sure you're alright and I just thought wow so you've got a multi-millionaire and you had somebody unemployed and they're helping each other for the mm. same reasons and we just meet up you don't have to have re um, a referral you don't have to book and it's no charge and you just rock up and have a tea coffee biscuit and talk about your feelings and your emotions in a non-judgmental environment with other like-minded men and it's so simple but so effective what could um first and foremost it's a phenomenal cause quite clearly and it's yeah also probably quite literally saved thousands of lives oh yeah um 
in in terms of its ambition to to grow to 50, did you say fifteen hundred um, yes. clubs across the country? What can businesses such as such as us, such as Spectrum, do to help it? gain more prominence because it's it's got to grow quite considerably to get to those levels yeah, um, what can we do either well for twofold really so one for our staff so make sure that there's awareness that it's there as a resource for people but also help it gain prominence to to try and encourage more clubs to be open we we actually we actually come into companies and um we deliver a free talk um, about Andy's Man Club and awareness. And I always say, every time I come in and deliver a talk to a company, I always say, look, can you can you like and share our page? Because um, you might not need it, but one of your circle of friends or family may just see it. Like, you know, like you just said, use it on your, your friend's feed. Yeah. And you might save a life without knowing. Yeah. Um, and all we asked some businesses to do is drop us a donation as much or as little as they want because that might open a club somewhere else and save a life, and that's why we come and do. Um, and promoting who we are, what we do, is, I, I like I've just said, awareness is key. Awareness saves lives. And we did the we did the Think Mental Health Ball in aid of Andy's Man Club, not because of the money. The 12 grand was fantastic, right? It'll keep the charity going for whatever. But the awareness was the key. Because mm. people in that room, everybody everybody knew about Andy's Man Club leaving that room, 400 people. They go and talk to five people about Andy's Man Club. Mm. That's over 2,000, right? The, the like and share on the LinkedIn, the like and share on their um, Facebook pages, that creates momentum. That gets people through the door. That saves lives. Mm. And that's what we do. Yeah. I'll give you an opportunity to promote your podcast as well because you, you, you run a competitor podcast uh, but yeah do you want to just talk about what that is what that does yeah so um we do I, i'm involved with the hack podcast yeah and first and foremost i got i got involved with that because we talk about andy's man club we talk about mental health and then obviously we we talk we we do our 100x which is a leadership um thing that i've been learning i've been on a leadership journey and we do this, it's about half an hour, 40 minutes, but young leaders can listen to that and it's a 52-week course that we, we do and we get some great guests on as well. Um, so, yeah, so being on the other side of the yeah. microphone today is very strange, but I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Good. Well, with the leadership course, and that's interesting, so who, who have you had on in terms of guests? So, so the leadership course, we just do it amongst the three of us, but on the, on the podcast... Um, We've got one, we've got somebody coming out in January, um, but it's one of the leaders of Disney. Um, Absolutely fantastic. And we've had a lot of great leaders in the city um, that we get on board and just, and we just talk, and like we talk, we talk about Andy's Man Club, we talk about people process technology, but the technology's over my head. Um, (laughs) When it goes on technology, you probably see me quite silent and drinking my, (laughs) drinking my tea because it's got, I've got no knowledge of it all. I'm getting a little bit better now. I know how to plug, I know how to plug my computer in, but that's about (laughs) where I am. The other day I was saying to a guy, I said, um, my headphones won't work. And I said, I've done everything you've told me to do. And he just held my lead up like that. And (laughs) the plug that was putting in was my mouse. My actually headphones weren't even plugged in. So it just shows you the let, depth of my knowledge with RT and you guys but um, yeah so my hat goes off to you because I ain't got a clue really I just know how to get a presentation up and running on it and that's that's key that's key that's me done that's me done but I absolutely love it meeting different people and different business leaders within within our towns and uh, yeah it it all started from a book that I bought him I bought him the pig wrestling um, book um, which is about looking Looking at problems from outside the pig pen. I have you as any of you read it? No, I heard it, man. Yeah, so read the pig wrestling book. Um and it's a guy and he's a he's a barista and he's giving this young leader um all these tips and facts of how to help and how, how to look after your problems, how to look at your problems outside the pig pen and just take a step back. And the actual barista was the guy who owned a full company and he was just there every day just giving that guy a little bit of knowledge. And we started off and then then we um, re, renamed the Pig Wrestling Podcast the hack. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit catchier, but I like, I like it. Catchy, yeah. Uh, last question for me. 
so we call the podcast tomorrow's workplace today yeah um so i guess in the, in the context of mental health what do you think the workplace will look like in in 10 years time i think i think um a lot of companies will have embraced mental health and well-being um i read the farmer's report and for every pound spent on health and well-being, the payback's £9.98 for any business. Wow. That's less absenteeism, better presenteeism. So if you said to a, somebody who was going into a, 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 a grocer and said, if you buy an apple for a pound and you could sell it for £9.98, you'd bite your hands off. Mm. So why won't any company um, spend on health and well-being? And I, I go into a company sometimes and a lot of companies have budgets for health and safety. I always say how much is health and how much is safety because mm. um, we spend money on slips, trips and falls but yeah. um, how much do we spend on health and safety because um, sometimes I've, I'm have i trying to get into schools I'm really, really trying to get into schools because I think it's needed mm. um, I had a bit of a <clears throat> I had a bit of a rant on LinkedIn um, last week because a couple of you meet some schools uh, really, really want you in but haven't got the budget and I'm like forget budgets let's sit around the table mm -hmm. let's sit around the table let's make it work let's make it happen because it's it's needed and i did have a i did have an idea where i was going to ask companies in hull um should we all put some money in including myself and put some free mental health training because i've got a course designed called midi medics and i was coursing three hour course i want to put it out there and i was thinking should we Ask business owners, let's let's all put a thousand pound in or something, including myself, and let's get out there and let's give these kids some support because it's it's really really needed. And hopefully, I've got some meetings with some leaders of education because I'm sick of it. Really, I want I want to get in and do, make a difference. Mm. Sounds like a great great opportunity. Yeah, and Definitely. you categorically already are making a huge difference. That's yeah, clear to see. Thank you. Let's leave it there. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.